Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, where we share knowledge, philosophies, wisdom, and insight to help you on your journey in both sport and life. Introducing your host, Rob Riles. Hello and welcome to Leader Manager Coach Podcast. Welcome along. It's Rob Riles welcoming you to another edition. Great to have you with us. And if you're a first-time listener, a real warm welcome. Dive in, fill your boots, certainly let us know what you think. And uh, I hope you find something in the podcast that will help you on your own journey in football, sport and life, or whatever your niche is. Welcome along. I want to touch on a few subjects today. And one of them comes from a quotation that I read recently. And the quotation went something like, Life involves us. It does not revolve around us. And that quotation hit me like an arrow. I'm going to say it again. Life involves us. It does not revolve around us. Now, I'm no expert in human development in terms of psychological timelines. But when we are born, we are this vulnerable collection of cells that is virtually completely reliant on another human being, normally the mother. We then develop. We develop physically, we develop emotionally, we develop physically, obviously, and mentally. And we then go through a stage, very basically, where the only thing that's important is us. We need feeding, we need personal care, we need warmth, We need attention and we scream for it when we are a few months old because that's all we know. And then up to around two years of age or around two years of age, we're still in that everything is me. The whole world is me. I want this and I want it now and I have to get this need, this desire, this sensation uh, quashed, sorted out. I have to eat, I have to drink. I have to find my mum, I have to feel better, I have to be warm and it has to be now and that toy is mine and it's nobody else's and I will have my way. People call it the terrible twos. Now somewhere I believe between the ages of two and four we start to develop an idea and neural processes that allow us to live with other people and be social so that we start to understand that the world does not revolve around us totally. We share things, we speak to other people, we hopefully learn to respect other people, have a degree of empathy and so on. However, as you will well know in your life experience, you come across a complete plethora of personalities, some of which tell you distinctly and fill you with love and hope 
because there is enormous amounts of empathy and love and understanding. And there are other experiences which seem to tell you that an individual is completely obsessed with themselves. Now, that is what I'm talking about here. One thing's for certain is, and that is that ultimately, if you act as if the world revolves around you as a maturing adult or an adult, you are going to come unstuck. Not only are you going to come unstuck, you are going to find the process of life extremely difficult. And probably you are going to end up in the wrong end or at the wrong end of some judicial process. Whatever that may be. And I'm not going to labour on this because it's pretty obvious, but I think it's a wonderful statement. And I think it's one well worth having in your mind pretty regularly. Life involves us. It does not revolve around us. Because even when we are mature adults, even when we are, we think we are grown up, we think we are educated, we think we have a degree of wisdom. How many times can we catch ourselves being self-centered being selfish and actually being in a state where we think this isn't fair this is just not happening to me I can't deal with this that is a process of thought that comes from life revolves around me and I was talking to a friend the other day and we both agreed that the more life experience we have the more we think that the less control of life we have. Look, you may think you're special. You may think you're different. You may think that you're going to have this amazing path through life. But the chances are, unless you are somebody who has broken the mould, life is going to have its way with you. And in 150 years from now, you will be forgotten. Everything you've done will be gone and life will just carry on. And that's going to happen for all of us. It may not be 150 years, it may be 300 or 500. And there may be people who live, who go down in history. But those people are very, very, very few. And the key for my, fact for me is, they've lived and they're still dead. And they still suffered and they still had pain. And... They went through the emotions that you probably went through too. So there we are. Life involves us, but life does not revolve around us. Now, here's another one. There is a proclivity in many of us to avoid asking for help when we need it. I categorize myself as one of those people that for many, many years was had a pride and it's such a it's such a malevolent thing at times pride a pride in my own abilities and would not ask for help wouldn't ask for help getting directions when there was no such thing as a sat nav wouldn't get help with a project when I just wanted to figure it out myself 
it, it was rife. And I excluded, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Interdependence out of my life. I excluded co-creative processes because I'd kind of been brought up with being independent from a very early age. So I'm not blaming myself, but I didn't learn quickly enough. And now in my life, I try very much to embrace co-creation. There's people who've made enormous successes out of life, life and projects because they embrace all the people, they embrace all the skills, they have a great self-analysis process where they realize how good they are at some things but how awful they are at others and it took me years to get to that get there as quickly as you can understand yourself we're back to the old thing know thyself to thine own self be true know what you're great at know what you're good at know what grabs you embrace it live it love it do it and yes try and improve on things that you're not good at, but work alongside other people who add to your skill set so you get this much more rounded approach that resonates with so many more people and almost rocket ships you to much more success instead of struggling in misery on your own, trying to do things that you don't like and you're not good at. Ask for help. What asking for help means is this. It means I refuse to quit. It is not a sign of weakness, it is a sign of strength, period. Put that in your life project and use it. There's something else that keeps coming up, and I suppose it always will, fear. Many years ago, somebody said to me, the acronym for fear is false evidence appearing real. F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. Maybe that's true in some cases. There's, a, there's many books about fear. One of the most famous ones is Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. What does that mean? It means, look, feel the fear. Involve yourself in it. Embrace it. Understand it. Know it. Wrestle with it. Fight it in the right way. Take it on. Have a relationship with it but do it anyway. If we're going to go into the unknown, we're going to go onto the hero's journey, we're going to achieve something in life, we're going to do what Maslow said and become what we must be. What one can be, one must be, as Maslow put it. If we're going to do that, and we're going to have any kind of sense that life's got a bit of meaning, we're going to have to face fear. Because fear is the unknown. The unknown is where princess lies. It's where the maiden lies. It's where the gold lies. It's where the golden fleece lies. It's where the philosopher's stone is. It's where what we are all looking for and more appropriately, probably what we need lies. As Jordan Peterson puts it so beautifully, if you want to know what to do, really, if you really know what you, you have to do, go and look in the place that scares you the most. Go into the deepest, darkest part of the forest and see what you find.
And don't be expecting an instantaneous result. Be prepared to be out of fear and into the wilderness after that. Initially, when you go into that place, you may find what he calls hell. This is awful. It's terrible. Every kind of emotion you've got going, you're all over the place. Your life's messed up. It's falling apart. Everybody's seemingly against you. You're making no headway. You're drowning. Maybe that's hell. And you persevere. And you're able to take a breath. You come out of hell. You don't find the promised land straight away. You find the wilderness. It's kind of better than hell. Just... I love his analogy. Yes, it's biblical. Not intentional. Just happens to be so. Just that I don't know enough about other religious texts. Um, and maybe you're wandering around arguing and trying things and seeing how things go. Until you find the next answer that takes you to the promised land. Fear. Fear not apparently be not afraid and fear not is the most commonly found phrase in I don't, I don't know whether it's a new testament or or what i'm not scholarly enough for that but there's something in that isn't there yogananda brian johnson eknath eswaran just to name a few great writers great thinkers talk about fear fear is within us it's not outside it's within us it is in us we make fear what is frightening to one person is not frightening to another you are a young football coach you get asked and you get dropped into manchester united barcelona real madrid bayern munich and you get asked to take a session for the under 21s you're going to be scared to death you're 46 years old. You've been a professional football coach for 18 years. You get dropped in Manchester United and asked to do that. Your fear levels are going to be considerably lower on a par-for-par -par basis. Fear is within us. We have to learn to deal with it. So when it says be not afraid, it means deal with it. Wrestle with it. Get to grips with it. Have a relationship with it. Accept that it exists and let's see how we can minimise it or deal with it the best we can. Bring it on. Again, there's those studies that tell us that when we embrace fear volitionally, we say, I'm going to do this, bring it on. We have a different physiology, a different physiological bodily response biologically than we do if we have to face it because we're dropped into it. Somebody bursts into your house with a mask and a gun, you're going to be absolutely on 10 out of 10 scared, fearful, the rest of it, no matter who you are. You have to face an opponent and you know you're going to have to face an opponent and you want to do it because you want to achieve an outcome. You might be scared, but it ain't going to be on that level and it's going to be a different kind of feeling. We can control our physiology to a degree. It's our thought process as to what is happening. How do, we, how do we get there with this? 
We have to be consistent. Again, I go back to Brian Johnson. He talks about consistency all the time. Out of all the people that I listen to and take note of and enjoy his drip feeds, his emails and, and some of the work he does on Entheos, which I encourage you to, to look at. He talks about plus ones, plus ones, plus ones, baby, baby steps all the time. Noth- wounds heal only by degrees. We all want things to happen now, big changes. It doesn't happen like that, does it? It's little by little by little by little. Sometimes we have these all enormous steps forward, very rare. Volcanoes create great change, but erosion erosion creates much more. It's the day by day by day by hour by hour by hour, minute by minute by minute, decision by decision by decision that gets us to where we want to be and changes us. That's how it works. Just change one thing now, baby step. If you're going to go for a run to get fitter, get your trainers out. Get your trainers out and leave them at the bottom of the stairs. Done. That'll do for today. If you're already a consolidated athlete and a runner who's got a five-year history of running four times a week, you don't need to do that. But you need to do something else appropriate to the level that you're at. It's just about baby steps. Change your physiology. Get some momentum on your side. In the game of football that we all love, in sport, momentum can be everything. Momentum can be everything. How many times in a game of football, you're 2-0 up, you're related, you're thinking, we've got this, we're in the bag. They're struggling. We're in the ascendancy. We're 2-0 up. We've got this. All of a sudden, one of your players puts in a horrendous tackle, gets sent off. The crowd are on your back. There, the opposition backs are up. They've got the bit between the teeth. They feel a hatred for you now because somebody's been injured. You're now down to 10 men. Momentum has slightly shifted. They're not... They're under the cosh still, but now they've got a man extra. They get the ball into the box. The referee makes a a hash, an error, and gives them a penalty. They score. You're still winning, but the momentum is against you. You are swimming against the tide. What's happened? Two small things. One, or both of them, human error. An overzealous tackle. An impatient refereeing decision. Your life's changed. How are you going to deal with it? It's the consistency that gives us the momentum. That's the point. Momentum. And actually, we need very little to start processes off. An avalanche begins with a tiny, tiny movement. Then you get hundreds and thousands of tons of water, snow, ice, rock, creating devastation from a little tiny crack movement. We need very little. In that phrase, we need very little. It also transmits really easily into life in a beautiful way. Because 
One of the things you read about successful people is that they focus on what it is they do. And let's say you're a successful sports person or you want to be a successful sports person. You better focus your life on self-care, i.e. sleeping sufficiently, eating well, hydrating yourself. Your close and loving relationships. And your sport. If you start to go beyond those three things, socialising more, eating out, too much social media, too much TV, you're going to be reducing the focus of what you do. Something is going to suffer. I can relate to this massively. Trying to do too much on too many things, spreading myself too thin and achieving mediocrity. It stinks, it's horrible, it's disappointing. Get a focus and be consistent. Sleep well, eat well, love well, and practice well on three or four things. Nil, nothing else. Learn that lesson. It's a great one. We actually need very little. We don't need big houses. We don't need big cars. We don't need big social media followings. We don't need anything at all hardly to live. And this is one of the wonderful things that reading about history teaches you. And, you know, you read Viktor Frankl's A Man's Search for Meaning. The most brutal, the most brutal circumstances that you could ever imagine being in a concentration camp, stripped of everything apart from one thing, your inner sanctum, your soul, nothing else, clothing stripped off you, family destroyed, livelihood destroyed, hope most of it destroyed. As Frankel said, they can take everything off you except that, that inner sanctum for you to choose which way you will respond. You need a little bit of food, you need a little bit of fluid, you need a degree of warmth and you can at the basic of basics of life survive. And we're not on about that. It's an, it's an example of what we need. Nothing wrong with a lovely house. Nothing wrong with great wealth. Absolutely not. But understand it where it fits in the, in the picture. Don't get messed up thinking you need this and you need that. The latest this, the latest that. You don't need it. It's a nice bit of icing on the cake. We need very little. Simplify your life. Focus on the things that give you the greatest results. Get on with them, baby step by baby step. See what happens. And don't kid yourself. Don't kid yourself you're doing okay when you're not. And you think, well, I can just do this and I can just do that. You can do anything. But there is a price to pay. There's always a price to pay. You know, so don't kid yourself that you're doing great when actually you're not. Because living a really meaningful, true life, really sticking to your values is damn difficult at times. Beautifully fruitful, 
it is the way, if you ask me, but not easy. Standing up for what you believe in, saying things when they need to be said, doing things when they need to be done, following a disciplined path in the midst of life with everything else that's going on is not easy. It's never going to be easy. It just isn't. But if you're after easy, probably not. This podcast probably not for you. This podcast for people who want meaning. Meaning in the life because they want to achieve something. Whatever that is for you personally. So don't forget about easy. Forget about comfort. I'm not talking about getting rid of self-care and sleeping well. I'm talking about trying to find an easy way out of life. And an easy shortcut. Yes, there's hacks. Yes, there's things that help. Yes, there's things that save us a bit of time. Of course there are. But there are no shortcuts. I became an overnight success after 23 years of hard work. Ask anybody. Ask Springsteen. When he's driving around the US and sleeping on the back of a pickup truck or on beaches. Now we're the most successful rock and roll artist the world's ever known. Ask Muhammad Ali when he was betrayed by his own country and the majority of the US hated him. Ask Mandela, the leader of one of the greatest countries on the African continent, when he was banged up and brutalised on Robin Island. Ask anybody who's done anything. And that, ladies and gentlemen, are my few learnings from this last week. I hope they help, and if there's anything in there that really helps, you know, please let me know or leave us a review. It really helps. That's leader, manager, coach, leading you to success. Catch you later. Thanks for listening. Speak soon. Brother.